we're going to be talking to you here about spiritual growth of a Christian. Spiritual growth of a Christian. And uh, I'm going to use and follow the pattern that's found in the Bible in more than one way here about the spiritual growth of every one of us. But when we come to the Lord, we don't just get saved and that's it. Uh, I have seen people come to the Lord and they get repent and get baptized in Jesus' name and then they just go on and they never go any further. They never grow. They never go any further, any deeper in God. They just seem to kick around and do their own thing and next thing you know, they're back in the world again or trying to bring the world into their religion, their salvation, and what they have received from God. This is not the way it works. Whenever we are saved, God, praise the Lord, does something in our lives and hearts that helps us to begin to grow. When we first get saved, we are the, it's the beginning of a development, a growth, and a time of really learning about the Lord and the Lord putting things in our hearts and lives to help us to stay faithful to him in all things. Praise the Lord. I'm going to start out by reading the scriptures here that we've got uh, in our number one part of our lesson here today. And if you, I'm going to start with the book of Psalms. And uh, this is Psalms 1-1. The very first three verses of the book of Psalms. The righteous are like a flourishing tree. It's like a flourishing tree. Look in Psalms 1-1. I'm going to read these three verses to you here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth by the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice here is describing a person who is a child of God, who's walking with the Lord, a righteous individual, who's living an overcoming life. And it describes him as saying that, that he does, he's not, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he doesn't go to people who are not saved and ask them for advice, for counsel, which direction to go, what should I do, how should I believe, and so forth. So it teaches us not to follow the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way. The way here means the path or the trail or the, the, uh, the, the course that the unbelieving person is living and taking don't get in that position don't get in that place and don't stand in that way it doesn't mean getting in the way of the the unsaved it just means don't get in the way of or the path or the trail or the or the road that he is in and he goes on to say nor sit in the seat of the scornful don't be a scornful person don't criticize it's easy sometimes to get that spirit upon us so we criticize everything we look at something and look at somebody and look at them in a funny look. And the next thing you know, we're being critical of them. The Bible teaches us not to be that way. So it's saying that a person that is growing in God and that is developing spiritually as God would have him to develop, that he is not a person who does these things. He doesn't uh, go to the ungodly for counsel and advice. I'm talking about for spiritual things. I know there's advice about many things in life about life but these are things that has to do with uh about life itself about how we should live and how we shouldn't live as far as holiness is concerned nor sit in the way of or, or be standing in the way of the sinners or sitteth in the seat of the scornful 
Don't be a scornful person. Now look at number two here. Two and three is where we're really headed here. For, but his delight, this is the man now or the woman uh, who walks not after all of these things. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is what he delights in is the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, thinks upon it, reads it, looks at it, and gleans from it. And then he says in verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. In other words, there's going to be fruit that will come forth and it's going to be in the season whenever it's ripe and it's ready. His leaf also shall not wither. This is describing a spiritual aspect of him. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So I want you to notice here that these things that he talks about, that he shall be like a tree planted by the world. Verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He thinks about God's word a lot. He finds wisdom and understanding and knowledge in the word of God. And folks, it hasn't changed. It's still that way. It's still that way. As you know, I mentioned last week that I was beginning to read now the book of Proverbs. And as I read the book of Proverbs, it's amazing how that the, that the, uh, the writer of that part of the Proverbs, I think Solomon put it all together. It was different writers, and he gleaned it all and put it together. There's three different sections of it. But Solomon, seeing the wisdom in all of these things, and a lot of it was just understanding that in God's word, there is the answer for everything that we need to know. Praise God. So he says here, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season, his leaves shall not wither, and so forth. Now, I'm going to have you go to Jeremiah because it's amazing how God's word always substantiates itself. Uh, and... Uh, Well, yeah, here we go. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 17, uh, 7 and 8. Look at these two verses here with us. Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. Same thing it says in Psalms that describes him as a tree planted by the waters. And that spreadeth out his roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, which in Psalms it says shall not fade, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And the other one says yield fruit in his time. So both of these are saying pretty well the same things. Just as the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It's amazing that God's word will confirm his word over and over and over and over. Another scripture that I'll read to you, Psalms 92, 12. And uh, you're in, you're in, uh, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah there. Go to Psalms 92, 12. I'm going to read 12, 13, 14, and 15 down through these verses. This is the last verse that we've got here on this number one. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Look at that again, comparing the righteous like a tree. 
It shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him or in God. And I'm just trying to point out to you here that the Lord, thank God, is showing us that the Lord has chosen to take our lives and make us like a tree planted by the waters. Now, let's get started in that whole thought. Number two here, it begins as a seed, begins as a seed, small and insignificant. Now, behind the church here, there's big oak trees. We all know that big, beautiful oak trees, uh, probably two or three of them were just about maybe four would cover this whole auditorium. I mean, we just I'm talking about the inside here. They're just mammoth. And I can remember as a boy growing up. And so those big, huge oak trees, big limbs, big, uh, everything about them in mammoth. And here's what those trees come from right here. That little seed right there. Now, there's different kinds of oaks and there's different kinds of acorns. But this is one of the kinds. I don't know which one it is, but we'll just use it for the one we're going to talk about. I just want you to notice there how small that seed is. Look at it. I mean... It's not as big as my thumb, the end of my thumb. Just a little small seed. It's it's nothing. Everybody say with me, it's nothing. It's insignificant. And if you were to come across it, you'd pick it up and you'd look at it and toss it aside or, you know, just say, well, uh, let's get that out of the way. Or you would not even take a second thought to it. If I were to put down a diamond or a ruby or an emerald, the size of that right here next to it, every one of us would say, wow. But that diamond would never, will never be anything more than just what it is. It's, that's all it is. It's just a stone. It's, it's a stone. Big, beautiful, got value to it. But this right here can become a great mammoth oak tree. I'm just trying to show you here what God takes and uses to bring forth something great. Now, I've said all of that to tell you this, that God uses small things to bring about great things. Praise the Lord. This little small acorn here will become and can become a great tree, a great, very large tree. Now, I'm going to have you go to A here. I want to talk to you a little bit about it. Let's look at Matthew. Uh, let's look at A here. God uses small things. Look at Matthew 21, 16. Matthew 21, 16. This is the words of Jesus. And he said unto him, Hearest thou these sayings? And Jesus said unto him, Yea. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Now, this comes from a scripture that's over in the book of Psalms. I think it's Psalms 8 and 2. I think it's if I got it corrected right. 
This is the verse that it comes from. Jesus is quoting a scripture from the Old Testament in Psalms. Out of the mouth of babes. Amen. And sucklings thou hast perfected praise. In other words, God was telling those Pharisees and Sadducees, you think you're so high and mighty, and you think you're so great, but God takes nothings. He takes the small things. He takes the little insignificant things, and he can make them into something great and beautiful and wonderful. He can take that seed and grow it, and it can become a great tree. And he's saying the same thing about people's lives. People come, we come from all kinds of backgrounds, folks, all of us. We've come from insignificant backgrounds. We were nothings, but Jesus has taken us and making us to become his people, his child, the children of God, the children of the king. Praise the Lord. And he's taken us from this life that we had back there that could have been just absolutely a nothing life and raises us up and puts in us his love and his, his grace and his goodness. I'm going to move on here because I want to show you some other scriptures here. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a confirmation to what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And if I were to take time to read the previous verses, it would even establish more of what I'm reading here. But look at 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God, look at verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. This is God's way of doing things. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And here's the reason, all wrapped up in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Praise the Lord. And then it goes on to say in verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto his wisdom and his righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All coming from the Lord and the name of the Lord is lifted up and praise is lifted up unto the Lord because God gets all the praise and the glory and not man because we start out as nothing and we'll never be anything within ourselves. Only in God are we anything. Praise the Lord. And God brings all of that out to us that we might understand here that Jesus takes us from being nothings. Praise the Lord. If I were to ask for a show of hands here, I'd say, what were you? Who were you before God ever saved you? All of us would have to say I was a nothing. I was a nobody. I was just, I was just, I was, I was nothing. And the Lord does something with our lives. He changes us. He puts his love in our, his love in our hearts and he calls us to love people. And he makes us to be a very special person in this world. And we become like a tree. Praise the Lord. Not just a tree that's trying to grow in dry ground. But a tree that's planted by the waters that flourishes and grows. And it becomes stronger and stronger all along the way. Praise the Lord. In one place, the Bible even talks about it having limbs that birds and other creatures can come and, 
and dwell inside and be there because the tree becomes so large, so great, and so mammoth. But God can let every one of us have a testimony like that. Every one of us came from a background. We were nobodies and nothing, but God, God took us being nothings and has made us to be his people. Praise the Lord, to be his children, to be sons and daughters of Jesus Christ with the hope of eternal life that the world doesn't have. And I'm just pointing out to you here that this is the greatest thing in all the world. And And you and I must cherish it, value it, hold on to it, never let it slip through our fingers, never lose it, praise the Lord, because God is everything. Praise the Lord. When I was, uh, I've told this before, I'm not going to dwell on this, but when I was 16 years old, I was saved, and the Lord called me to preach the gospel. I was 16 years old, still in high school, and I'd spent time out in the woods, like on Saturdays or evenings, and then after school was out in, in June, uh, I, would, uh, I would go out in the woods and fast and pray all day long. And during that period of time, the Lord spoke to my heart through the word of God and called me to preach the gospel. I knew it. And so I knew I was called. And then I started making plans to go to Bible school. I was going to go to Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Bible school. And in praying and seeking the face of the Lord, the Lord dealt with me to go to St. Paul. Now listen to this. He dealt with me to go to St. Paul. I was the only one in my family now that was saved. And uh, he dealt with me to go to St. Paul. And when it came time, I got on a Greyhound bus. And my mother fixed a shoebox with with some boiled eggs and with with uh, boiled potatoes, and said, "Here, here's some snacks for you along the way." I had a little money in my pocket, and just not too much. My dad gave me some money, and I took some money, got on that bus, said goodbye, and for two days and two nights I rode on that bus, and I all I ate was what it was in that shoebox, and when I got there, it was about all gone after two days. And I got there and I took my money. I paid for oh, I paid, paid for oh, my tuition for the semester. And the rest of it I put toward my room and board, which was $14 a week. I got out, got a job, and I ate nothing for three days. Nothing. I fasted for three days. Wouldn't eat anything. First of all, I, I didn't have the money. Second of all, I just said, God, you've got to come through for me. And when I got my job, I worked four hours a day. Five days a week, it's 20 hours, and I made 91 cents an hour. 91 cents an hour, I made about $18 a week. You know, they took out a couple of dollar and a half for taxes. You know how they do all that stuff. This is Montgomery Wards I was working for. And my, my room and board uh, was $14. So I made 18 I had in taxes, about $16, and then my room and board was $14. You understand what I'm saying? I had $2 a week. I mean, to splurge on. I mean, to really just. And every Thursday, every Thursday night, which was their midweek service like Wednesday, uh, they, they did not serve dinner at the school. So nobody ate until after church. And when the bus, the school went from the church to the boys' dormitory, it stopped by this little restaurant, this little diner. And everybody would get off the bus and they'd go in there and they'd buy their dinners because they hadn't eaten, you know, before church. Except old Junior here, this fella. Because I, I couldn't afford it. But I never complained. I never said nothing to nobody. And there was maybe one, maybe another one didn't get off. But we just stayed in the bus. You know why? Because we were at the bottom of the rung. 
We were the poorest of the poor. Amen. I'm not complaining to you. I'm telling you that some of you have been right there. You know what I'm talking about. You've been to those places. And I did that. Next thing I know, I, I got a raise. They bumped up from 91 cents an hour to 97 cents an hour. Oh, that was good. Okay. And then uh, maybe then every Sunday night, they would stop that bus there. That's diner night. And I, I wouldn't get off. Well, one of those nights, I'd get off maybe and then drink, eat some little donut or something. It didn't cost too much. And, and so forth. Then they bumped it up to dollar fourteen. I was just—I mean, it was really growing now. Dollar fourteen an hour, and everything. And then they bumped my hours from four dollars an evening to six hours. And then they started working me on Saturday. And I mean, it just kept on going, and my income kept building up. I had a friend from Missouri, and he got a job working at a meatpacking plant, working full time, working from. Uh, two o'clock at, at three o'clock in the afternoon to eleven o'clock at night and going to school every day. And I just admired a guy. He and I became roommates and I admired him greatly. He made sixty dollars a week and sent half of it home to his family because his father had lost a leg in a corn picking machine because they were farmers. And this boy had said to his parents, if you'll let me go to Bible school and study for the ministry, dad, mom, I'll send money home from, from up there. So he was one of those guys that stood on the bus like I did. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to say, we were nobodies. And many of you were nobodies. But God kept putting the word in our heart. He kept giving his blessings upon us. It come maybe morning devotion whenever, I mean, morning time whenever we'd have coffee break. And for 20 minutes, we could go and play ping pong and drink some coffee and get a little break from all the studies and the classes we had. But some of us went to the prayer room. And he went to the prayer room. I went to the prayer room. Amen. I didn't know the prayer room had existed for the first few days. And somebody like him said, hey, Myers, come on, go with me. I'll show you where we go. You know, we went to the prayer room and we'd pray. But in that prayer room, we, God would meet with us. It got where that Montgomery Ward place, I'd go to the window on the west side on the seventh floor, the, work, the floor I worked on when everybody had gone home. And I was working and I took a little break and ate my sandwich and lunch and everything for the evening. I'd go to that window and I'd look out over across Minneapolis and I would just stand there and I'd talk to God and I'd pray. I'd say, God, just help me through this day. Help me through the next day. Help me through it. And folks, when I was in my last year, four years later, I'd make trips back to that Montgomery Ward, take an elevator, go up to that seventh floor and walk back over to that same window and stand there and shed tears and say, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through, bringing me through all those places. Now, I'm giving you my testimony. But all of us have a testimony like that. And I'm just saying that God takes us from nobodies and nothings. And he makes us to be his children and a child of God. Praise the Lord. We, you know, we're not going to be some great somebody out there in the world. But we are special to God. Praise the Lord. And just as this Bible described the righteous, amen. Uh, he takes us and we're like a tree planted by the waters. Amen. And we bear fruit and, and our leaves will not uh, wither and, and God will let us grow and we'll become something for God all through this life. And then in the life to come, eternal life, to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We've had some wonderful 
people in this church who have gone on to be with the Lord in the last few years. Wonderful people, loved God, gone on to be with the Lord. They're with the Lord now. Amen. They'll be with him forever and forever. One day, if we walk with God, we'll see them, praise God. And I just want to let you know here, don't ever give up what God's given us. Don't ever give up what God has put in your heart and mind that we might be saved. Praise God. Let me move on here. I've got a lot to cover here. God saved us when we were nothing. We talked about that. Let me give you an example of Hannah here. Uh, I'm going to just move the, the, the acre in case uh, it falls off and rolls down the aisle. <laughs> I want you to go to the book of First uh, Samuel here. This is Hannah. This is her prayer. This is uh, Hannah whenever she could not have children and her and her husband had two wives and the other one had children and she laughed at Hannah. She laughed at her and mocked her and just said, you know, you're nothing, you're nobody. Uh, let, me, let me get to the right place here. Hang on a second. Oh, here we go. First Samuel 2, 1. And Hannah prayed. Hannah prayed. She went to the temple. She poured her heart out to God. And Eli saw her and said, woman, you're drunk. She said, no, Lord. No, no. Oh, he was the high priest. She said, no, sir. I'm not drunk. I'm weeping before the Lord and asking God to give me children. And he said to her, you'll have children. God will bless you from this day forward. And when she had the child, she went back a year, she went back later with little Samuel. This was Samuel in the Bible. That was her first child. And when she had that child, when he was weaned, she took it back to the temple and turned him over and gave him back to the Lord. And she prayed this prayer. And this is what she said in verse chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My Lord rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. I'm jumping down to verse 8. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set him among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set his world, the world upon them. 9, verse 9, that first line, he will keep the feet of his saints. And she's praying this prayer and thanking God for what he did and saying, now I give him. And here's the amazing thing about Hannah is that she told the Lord, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And then when he was born and she went and prayed and she was giving him back to the Lord, she says, I lend, I lend him to the Lord. I lend him. And all through there, it says that she lent him, I'll loan him. This is found all through the, about three or four places where she says, I'll loan him to the Lord. And I pointed out on Mother Day messages sometimes that Hannah is like every mother. You never give away your child. You loan them back, but you don't give them away. Amen. I don't care how old you get, you never give away your children. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking about situations where... Uh, it was where mothers felt it was better if they were to put their children up for adoption or something. But she says, I'm not going to give him away. I'm just going to loan him to the Lord. And the Lord understood that. I'm going to move on here because that's another thought within itself. I'm talking to you here how that God honors small things. And he honored Hannah. Look at Second Samuel, chapter 7. Second Samuel. 
This is concerning someone we're all familiar with. This is concerning David. David. Samuel, when he was a prophet now, and he's an older prophet, prophet of God. The Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, because one of his sons, I want you to anoint to become the next king. And Jesse had seven sons, seven sons all lined up there. And every time that Samuel stood there and one of those sons would pass in front of him, big, strong, tall guys, looked like they'd be the perfect leader and king for Israel, the future king. Saul was still king at that time. The Lord would speak to Samuel and said, nope, not him. Until every one of those seven sons had passed away, passed, passed across in front of him. And then Samuel said to Jesse, this is it? This is all your sons? And then he was feeling a little strange. Well, no, he said, I got one more son. He's the youngest. He's the baby of the family. He's the shepherd. He takes care of the sheep. Surely it's not David. He said, nope, I'm not, I can't go anywhere. I'll sit right here and wait till you bring him in here. And when David came before Samuel, the Lord spoke to him and said, this is him, anoint him to be king. He took David for being nothing and made him to be something. I'm reading a scripture here in later years where this was referred to. Look at 7, 2 Samuel 7, 8. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto thy servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, this is God now speaking through a prophet unto David, Nathan the prophet, speaking unto David. He said, I took thee from the sheep coat. I took you when you were following sheep. From following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whither thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Now, I've read this scripture to tell you and give you an example here how God, praise the Lord, took David when he was nobody and nothing, and he raised him up, a tree planted by the waters. Praise the Lord. Became one of the great men of his time, of his day, and uh, indeed everything he did was powerful and mighty. I'm going to move on here very quickly here. B, the seed must be planted Look at John 12, 24. The seed must be planted. And then we're moving in then into you and I, as God calls us, we're nothings and nobodies now. We have to be planted. And this is John uh, 12 and 24. Jesus speaking said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Praise the Lord. So he's saying, praise the Lord, that this seed, just standing by itself, will never be anything, never have any value, never go anywhere until it's planted. And this is what happens, folks, when we get saved. God plants us in the church. He plants us. He puts us there. Praise the Lord. And we are planted. Praise God. And God does it. And he does it that we might walk with him and be saved and be glorified in his holy and precious name. Amen. I want you to look also at Isaiah 61, 6. Isaiah 61, 6.
I'm sorry. Six to one. Three it is. I'm sorry. To appoint unto them that mourn in, in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness of mourning, and garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That is, that God might be glorified. So we are planted like trees. Praise the Lord. The Lord plants us like trees in his garden or his beautiful vineyard. And we begin to then to be something for God. And the Lord has to put us in that ground. We have to be buried with him in baptism and so forth. And there are scriptures for that. I, uh, I want to show you something here. Uh, this is the tabernacle plan here that we've often used to show you here what the tabernacle looked like before the temple was ever built. And if you look at it very closely here, it's taken out of a book, and it's, of course, this is the middle of the page and so forth. But this is the tabernacle here. And over here was a brazen altar, and here was a layer of water. And all the sacrifices were sacrificed here, and the brazen of altar was where they had to wash before they went into the tabernacle. Praise the Lord. Now, this brazen altar is where everybody brought the, off their sacrifices right through this gate and here to this altar. The priest would offer these sacrifices here on this altar. And this is where death was. This is where the sacrifices died. Folks, when we come to the Lord, we got to die out to sin. Amen. This is what repentance is all about. This brazen altar represents repentance. This labor of water represents water baptism. They are washed. And then this tabernacle represents uh, God's house or going into the church, being a member of the church or being in the church of God, God's Christ, Christ uh, the, the church of God. So here we come in here. We have to die out to sin. This is where we are planted. Praise the Lord. We die out to sin. And I'm pointing all that out to say it to all of us here. That we have to say, God, I repent of my sins. Every person that comes to God must repent. 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 That's Acts 2.38. Men and brother, what shall we do? Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. That first act of saying, God, I surrender everything to you. And that's where we die out to our own will, our own ways. We die out to our own selves. And say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Praise the Lord. So we're using this again as a, just as a tree is planted, is put in the ground, and it dies out to itself. So it's, it's a type of repentance. Well, I'm going to move on here a little bit further here. Look at number one back on our... I'll come back to that and show you something else in a few moments here. If you look here, number one... It must be planted in the right environment. Now, see what I have A here, the church? It's got to be planted in the right environment. Look at Acts chapter 2. We just talked about that. Acts chapter 2. Praise God. And if I took time here and showed you here in Acts chapter 2, in verse 37, where when they heard Peter's message, they asked him what they had to do in verse 38. 
Peter said to them, repent, be baptized. And I just quoted that to you. And then he went on to say this promise unto you and your children to them that are far off. You and I are the ones that are far off. We've come to the Lord now. Now, I'm going to 41. This is the verse that I want to emphasize here to you here. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 43. Then they that gladly received his word. This was on the day of Pentecost now. This was the people who heard Peter preach. Told them they had to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And apostles' doctrine was exactly what Peter preached up here in Acts chapter 30, uh, in verse 38. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. Notice here, these people were bonded together. They got in the church. I want to say a word here. We can't survive without the church. The Lord, praise the Lord, has saved us and put us in the church. I don't mean the building here. The building is what the church has built that we may have a house to worship in. Praise the Lord. But the the people, you are the church. And we are only a segment of the great church of God in this world, the kingdom of God upon this earth. And God, praise the Lord, has put every one of us into this body of Christ. And it's valuable being with each other, seeing each other, coming where we are all gathered together, lifting our hands together in holy prayer, and listening to the word of God together. All of these together things. Uh, the other day we, we came and had church service. And then we, uh, we went out and ate. A bunch of us were together eating. And we went home. And I told my wife, I said, you know, this is like the early church. I said, they not only worshiped together, but they broke bread together. <laughs> Talked about that, breaking bread together. So it happens. You know, we eat together. We fellowship together. I'm just saying that that's what the body of Christ is all about. And we have a love for each other. And we look after each other. And we try to help each other. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is all, praise the Lord, being uh, in that body of Christ that God has put us in. That we might be everything that the Lord wants us to be. Praise the Lord. So we have to be in the right environment. Uh, Look at verses... uh, Look at, look at verse 46 and 47. This is the next verse over here, 6 and 47. It goes on to say here in the second chapter, They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat and with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse 47, Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And then I'm going to go to a scripture here that's very, I value this all my life, and that's the one found in 1 Corinthians. In, uh, in Hebrews 10.26. Hebrews 10.26. And uh, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then it goes on to say, As the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. That is, encouraging each other, talking to each other, strengthening each other. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And folks, that's what we're seeing now, the day approaching. 
So it's important that we come together, that we be together. Praise the Lord, that we lift up and praise the Lord. Amen. And I'm just saying here that God wants us to be unified. And I know there's all kind of things out there about be careful, be careful, be careful. And I know we got to be careful about, you know, the virus and all that. I'm not going to get into all of that, but I'm just saying here that the getting together is still in the word of God and God will honor us if we'll do it. And there's ways that we can do it that we can survive all of this. I'm going to number two here. It must have the right soil, must have the right soil. I'm moving on very quickly here. Praise the Lord. It must have the right soil. Thank you, Jesus. And I've got here the word of God. The soil is like the word of God. The word of God, praise the Lord, must be in our lives, must be in our hearts. And uh, Luke 21, 33, if you look at that verse of scripture with us. Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth. I had an older preacher point this out to me one time and I never forgot it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This is found in all four, all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think. Found in all, all three of those Gospels. The same identical words in the same way in one verse. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And that older minister said to me, he said, If heaven and earth, this earth and heaven will pass away one day. The Bible says it will. But God's word will never pass away. Folks, you can bank on it. You can build on it. You can establish yourself on it. If God's word is so sure that when everything has passed away, it's still there, then believe it, trust it. (coughs) Excuse me. Trust the word with all of your heart. And God will never fail us. He's always with us. He's got his hand up on us. Look in Psalms 119.11. Psalms 119.11. I'm talking about the word of God now. Stay with me. Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. The longest chapter. And it's got stanzas. Eight verses to each stanza. And it's got 22 stanzas in it. Uh, Each stanza represents one of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. That's the study in itself. Look at verse 11. 119.11. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's like having being planted in good soil. It's the word. It's solid. It's there. It's got all the vitamins. It's got all the food, the minerals, everything that that tree will need, that acorn. Everything it will need is is in that soil. Praise the Lord. If it's the right soil and the word of God is the right soil. Praise the Lord. And he says, I will never. I'm going to move on here to another verse. It's not in your scriptures there, but I'm going to just give you another verse here in Psalms 119. And that's in uh, Psalms 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Again, it's showing the value of the word. The word is a lamp under my feet. In other words, in walking in the dark, the word of God is like a light that I can see where I'm stepping, where I'm going. He goes on to say, I'm reading another verse of scripture over in Psalm 127 and 128. He says here, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. 
I love it above gold. That means I love your word here, Lord. Everything you've stated, I love it above the gold. Uh, yea, above fine gold. Make gold as expensive as you want to make it. The word is greater. Verse 28. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Praise the Lord. And I hate every false way. So here is the psalmist here saying, I esteem all thy precepts. In other words, folks, don't doubt the word. Believe it. Don't doubt it. These were people, praise the Lord, that built their life on it and God never failed. Them. One other verse here, and this is 160, verse 160 here of this 119th Psalm. Thy word is true from the beginning, true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Praise the Lord. So you can build upon it. You can believe it. You can bank upon it. God will never fail you in it. Now I'm going to move on here because that Psalms 1-1 talked about it being like water planted by rivers of water. It must have water. And I liken the water as the spirit of God. The word, the, the, uh, the soil is like the word of God. The water is like the spirit of God. If I can take this tabernacle plant again and show it to you here just for a second. And point out again to you. Let me use my pen here to so you, be, you better show you. If you and I had gone inside this tabernacle, which is a type of being in the church, on the left-hand side was a, a candlesticks, seven golden candles, seven golden candlesticks. On the right was a showbread table of showbread. Here, this bread is a type of the Word of God. It's the Word of God. There were 12 loaves of bread put there fresh every day. And that bread was put right here on this golden table. This candlestick was made of pure gold. And in it was the fire that was lit every evening and burned all night. And then the morning it was put out and then relit the next day. This was done every day of the year so that inside there was never without light inside this tabernacle. And the Lord did that to show us that we have to have his spirit, and we have to have his word. And in the body of Christ, in the church, there is the spirit and there is the word. They go together, folks. The word. And the word will never contradict the spirit, and the spirit will never contradict the word. It's, it's in harmony with each other. Praise the Lord. And so a tree must be planted in good soil, where it's all the vitamins and minerals and everything it needs to grow, and then it must have the water as well. So, likewise, in the body of Christ, there is the church. Now, I'm moving on very quickly here because I want to show you here that the Lord wants us to grow in the Lord. Look at Isaiah 55, 1. I'm going to uh, go back to our lesson here. All right, 55, 1, and we're coming down to the end here. Isaiah 55, 1 and verse 3. All right. 55.1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk with, without money and without price. Look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. 
And he's saying here, here, come to the waters. And I'm saying you, to you here today that we must have that water of life in our life and heart and our soul that we may walk with God in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. And then in Romans, look at this very closely here. And there are many scriptures we could talk about how essential the spirit of God is in our walk with the Lord. The Bible in the New Testament is filled with it. I know my time is about gone here, so I'm closing this out. But look in 8 9 of Romans. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Praise the Lord. We pray, we talk to God, we walk with God, we serve the Lord. Have you ever felt God directing you sometimes in situations? You ever felt sometimes God directing you? You got in a situation, you know what to do, where to go, and all of a sudden it seemed like it just, God sort of gave you a spiritual direction. Man, I, I've had that experience. I've had that experience. I've even thought about, I wonder if they were angels. You know, the Bible says that some have entertained angels unaware. Speaking about Abraham way back there. You know, maybe sometime God has appeared to some of us in angelic form or just spoken to our heart. I can remember I was in Switzerland. And I was changing planes. I landed there and I had to go on down to into, into Africa on my way to missionary work over there. And I went into Switzerland and I got, I came off the plane, you know, coming in from America, landed there in Switzerland. And, uh, and then I got to walking around and all the, all the signs, nothing was in English. It was either in French or it was in Swiss, it seemed like. There's no signs. I don't see no signs. I don't know what to do. And I got concerned because I had to get to the, that part of the airport that would be taking me to Africa, and I couldn't read any signs. Everybody's talking French or Spanish or, or French or, 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 or Swiss. And, and uh, I just said, I stopped. I said, God, you're going to have to help me. Jesus, please help me. And I took two steps, and a man came off from the side and spoke to me in perfect English and said, Can I help you, sir? I said, yes, where do, which way do I go to get to such and such gate to be able to fly to Kenya, Kenya, Africa? He said, go this way, this way, this way, and that way, and you'll find it. I said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Boy, I'm so appreciative. And I walked away. And I walked on down, and I turned back and looked, and I don't know what happened to the guy. I don't know where he went. I don't know who he was, but God... Help me, praise the Lord, to get out of there and get there. I mean, that's a simple thing. I know it is. And you say, Brother Meyer, come on, don't matter. I don't know. I, was it name? I've thought about it a lot of times. Was it or was it not? Or was it just a guy that the Lord moved on him and said, go over there and help that crazy American know what he's thinking or where he needs to go? You know, but I don't know which way it was. But you understand how God helps us like this. And by his spirit, he directs us and he leads us. I have walked to the altar. Filled with all kinds of problems. I didn't know how I was going to get through them. And go down there and stand and lift my hand and just say, I'm here to praise and worship God. And as I began to praise and worship and glorify the Lord, God, praise the Lord, sent his spirit upon me. And I got the answers. And when I walked away, I knew exactly what to do. You got to sign up. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were trying to tell me something. <laughs>
I want to close out. I thought Brother Rich had something you tried to tell me there. Okay. Uh, Romans 8, 9, and 11, and we read those to you here. Uh, if any man had on spirit is out of his. The verse 11, but if, if, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, listen to this one now. This is, uh, this is 8, 11 now of Romans. We just got through reading 8, 9. Without his spirit, we're none of his. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We're talking about the rapture here, folks. Quicken, that means make alive. So we've got the spirit of God. You've got to have the spirit. So praise the Lord, we've got to be planted by the waters. We've got to have the water in our life. We've got to have the word in our life. We've got to have the, the spirit. We've got to be in the body of Christ. We've got to be in the church. Love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. The Bible talks about loving each other. And it says that we've got to have it even to go in the rapture. Now, I'm going to finish up with this. It must have sunlight. It's got to have sunlight. And I'm going to just mention this to you. God's grace and his blessings is his sunlight. And our prayer life and relationship with God is how we maintain and keep God's grace and blessings upon us. Don't neglect your prayer life. And keep and maintain a relationship with Jesus. And if you're ever praying and you feel like God is doing this to you, and I've had it happen to me, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. I had that happen to me in prayer one time, and I realized what I had to do. I had to do what God wanted me to do. And I was just trying to you know, do my own thing a little bit and everything, and I felt like that. If you ever have that feeling, just say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I want you to know, always stay in harmony with Jesus, and the Lord will never fail you, folks. And one day, we'll hear the trumpet sound, and we'll rise and meet the Lord in the air. And I don't believe it's too far away. Amen. God love you. Let's stand together. Let's give him the praise and the glory. Let's thank you for his goodness, mercy, hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. God, we magnify the wonderful name of Jesus that's above every name. There's no other name, God, any higher than your name. We thank you that we've been baptized in your name. We thank you, Lord, that we have had your spirit put in our hearts and our lives. Bless every soul in this congregation and every soul under the sound of our voice, O oh Lord, over the Internet or wherever. We ask you to bless, keep, and meet with us again when we come together again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in his name.